Hey guys, welcome to In the Trances with Andrew Taylor, and I'm really excited about a very special episode where I have the opportunity of interviewing my own parents. Yes, it is a little bit self-serving in nature, and I'm okay with that, as I've been interviewing people about parenting and growing up and raising kids in this generation. Uh, I've talked to my parents a lot about it, and we've had some really fun conversations, and I think they have a lot of really great insight. And I'm also starting to stare down the barrel of parenthood myself. My wife and I are pregnant with twins. We're due in August, and I've been reflecting a lot on how I was raised and what kind of parent I want to be. And so I realized I had a lot of questions for my parents and thought the best way to do that would be in an interview for my podcast. So Shirley and Steve Taylor are special people. My dad and mom were both raised in Utah. Uh, My father was an emergency room doctor for 40 years. He now works at a free clinic on Tuesdays. They both do. And um, he's the medical director for Pure Life uh, Adventure, my my program, which is a lot of fun to get to work with him. And my mom uh, grew up on a dairy farm, working hard, milking cows at 5 in the morning. And uh, we've enjoyed a lot of the stories through the years. And you'll see this theme also in the interview where she talks about how she raised us to work hard. And uh, she raised five kids and worked her butt off. So... Love these two people, and there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge in this interview. Please uh, be patient with the audio. Uh, It's my first interview in person, so they had to pass a little microphone back and forth, so there's some bumpiness along the way, but uh, it doesn't distract from the main message. So thanks for joining, and I hope you enjoy. Take care. Shirley and Steve, Mom and Dad, welcome to the podcast. That's where you say hi. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Andrew. We're, uh, we're li- we've been looking forward to this a lot. <laughs> some haven't, some haven't. Yes. So as I've entered the world of working with young people that are struggling and, you know, working with addiction and all of these things, um, in my adult life, I keep coming back to this place of being really grateful for how I was raised. Uh, more and more every day. Um, I bet you never thought I'd say that when I was 16 years old. No. <laughs> but I, and so with kids on the way, and I'm starting to enter this parent life. You know, I keep reflecting on you guys and what you did, and how well you did it, and how hard it must have been along the way. And I, I just have a lot of questions, and I thought it would be fun to interview you guys and record them for our family, for whoever might benefit from this and my kids someday down the road when when they're becoming parents I'd love them to know what their grandma and grandpa thought about raising kids because you guys did a great job that's what we've always looked forward to Andrew we always said when our children were young can't wait till they have children of their own and they have to learn all these lessons for themselves <laughs> a lot of parents I think feel the same way so I, I think one of my first questions is is did you have a strategy going in did you guys sit down as you started having kids and say it really means a lot to us that our kids are this way or that way or that we do it this way or did you make it up as you went or a little of both well I think we have basic values that we both we both share so we knew that. We didn't even talk about those. We just knew that. 
I think that dad was really worried that I was going to be too strict because he could see how I was raised and he thought he was worried about that but uh, no we didn't we didn't plan and you know what it's a good thing we didn't plan because everyone's different all your kids are different and one thing would not have worked for all of them I, I think that that's exactly right I, I think mom and I are both products of the homes we were reared in and and so uh, uh, our closely held uh, ideas about what is important in raising children come from our backgrounds and I think in our case they're quite complementary uh, and I because I think we were raised in quite different environments so they were complimentary because they were a little bit different. So mom says she was afraid you were gonna, that you thought she was too strict. Um, and this happens, right? And uh, Megan and I are seeing this where we actually have pretty similar, I think, backgrounds, but coming together and saying, how do we, how, what matters to us? How do we want to raise kids? And did you and mom have that conversation? And how uh, would you have I raised think we us? Did. <laughs> and, and to be more specific, uh, I viewed my upbringing as being uh, reared by incredibly loving and sacrificing parents who sacrificed uh, a lot of probably their own desires and their finances all for their children. Um, uh, I, I viewed mom's growing up as uh, uh, she was looked upon as uh, uh, part of a family who was required to work hard and and everything that she did was for the good of their family and for the well-being of the farm and and the cows uh, in my home everything was for the well-being of the children yes I think in my home it was not about the children as much as we are all trying to survive and do the best we could so we all had to pitch in and it wasn't about us so how did you guys navigate that when you, you started having kids? Because I, I think my impression is that we were raised by both of you more mom style. Um, well, I, the reason I say it was complimentary uh, was that I, I, I said several times, your kids will turn out well as long as you love them and they know that you love them and care about them more than anything else. A mom said, your kids will turn out well if they learn how to work. That's what it takes to raise good children. Am I, am I reflecting that honestly, Shirley? Well, I didn't think it was all about love. I thought it was about a lot of things. Of course you love them. Of course you love them. But you just don't love your children. Say, I'm sorry, honey, I love you. And you don't demand a lot. So I think what your question about how come it was more my way? You have to know that from day one in our marriage, Dad was very, very busy. He was in school, and then he was at work all the time. So a lot of the responsibility fell on me. And if it was working, you know, Dad went along, and he loved them, and I made him work. But I, I, it's a compliment to both of you, though, because I actually felt that... You, I, I always felt that you and Dad were on the same page. 
think we were. Uh, well, I think we respected the, the, this difference in each other and came to appreciate that 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 you were both. Mom always says, "Well, we knew we were loved. We just didn't say it." In my family, it was said every day, all day. Um, and as far as working, um, we worked, but our life didn't center around work. Um, and um, I, I sometimes wish or have thought that uh, uh, I could have learned more discipline and more um, uh, well, discipline's a good word. Had my folks been more uh, pushy or held my feet to the fire a little bit more about working, uh, studying, they they gave they gave me an incredible amount of freedom. All of us, and I think for my sister Anne and I, it it worked out okay. But my younger brother, I think. Um, I think it did not work so well for him. So, <clears throat> um, you say you didn't have a strategy, you didn't have specifics, but just as I've been thinking about this interview, some really important things I want to touch on, family traditions. We had a lot of family traditions. Um, family routines, you know, um, you know, Monday night, family home evenings, Sunday meetings. I, I was talking to our other siblings the other night as we were preparing for this, but like Sunday dinner, and then we'd sit in the family room and you'd bust out the calendar and we'd go through the week and we'd talk about things, you know, the pig of the week. Um, mom was your tradition <laughs> where if anybody had a messy room, they got the pig of the week and it was fun and it was light, but you were also saying, hey, get it together, you know, um, just, uh, I think those are just a few examples of what I would consider a pretty structured home, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to forget this, and we, there's a lot I'm throwing at you, so we can talk about these in different, you know, we got time, but, um, I never heard you criticize my teachers or my coaches, either of you, even though I think you may have disagreed with some of my teachers and coaches, we knew that quitting wasn't an option. You know, there there might have been a few circumstances where you said, hey, I can see that this isn't working out, but if we wanted to quit piano, guitar, sports, swimming, whatever, it was like, hey, you need to, you've made a commitment, you're seeing it through. Like, those are, those are from, as your child, some of the things that I saw that are ingrained in me. And did you talk about those things, or were you guys inherently, was that how you were raised, your generation? Where did all that come from? Because I don't see this with, you know, in every family out there. And what made you different in that aspect? So, Okay, Andrew, I wasn't raised with a lot of routine. I mean, it was just basic. But one thing I always thought was important, and I still think it's important because it makes children very, very secure, is to know what to expect. And I, and I felt this way. I read a couple of child development books when Doug was born, and I just kind of threw them away. I thought, my instincts are better. I think children need to know they're secure from day one. So when they cry, their needs are met. 
when they're hungry their needs are met and I think that children learn really well to do well in school in life if they have a routine it's kind of going back to make your bed but I still think I mean I had dinner on the table at six o'clock every night pretty much and that was a big deal to you and, and us. I loved me it. I mean, I wanted the kids to feel like that's going to be there. I was home when they came home from school. I was here. They may not want to talk, but they knew I was here. And I liked routine. I liked to have their clothes clean so they didn't have to worry about going to school and feeling uncomfortable because I wasn't raised that way, and I just didn't like it. I, I'm more of a... Well, I don't know what you call it. I just like routine, and I like things done well. Talking about the pig of the week, it worked for a little while, but then the pig was so darn cute <laughs> that everybody wanted it. So that soon went out the window. It backfired on you. <laughs> but we kept, but we kept changing things to try. But I, we didn't sit down and talk about a lot of that. Dad was too busy, so it wasn't like that was important to him. I just did it. That was important to me. Uh, I credit mom uh, a lot for providing a lot of structure in our home that she just talked about. And and I, I don't think I appreciated the value of that early on in our life and in our child rearing. But uh, as as I aged, I, I think the point that she made that that provides children security and with security comes confidence. Uh, the fact that you, you're there when they come home. You're, there's a good dinner on the table. Clothes are neat and clean and washed. And, and, um, um, and the house is in uh, order. You know, and the house is order and that there's, there's order and, and, and those don't become sources of, of concern and fear and, uh, that, that, that that's uh, an, an immensely powerful uh, element in, in kids feeling good about themselves and about uh, their status as they're growing up. And, uh, and, and mom just knew that and did that in spades. And she was willing to sacrifice everything to see that that happened for the kids. Yeah. Now, you know, I talk a lot about love, and and I still, to me, that's the essence of parenting. Uh, but uh, love does not necessarily mean giving everything, enabling in every way, uh, and uh, and and that's why I think mom and I complemented each other. Yeah. Because she had. Uh, a way of, of communicating love by providing such a comfortable environment for our family. You know, and it, I think about when you say love, you know, I, I see a lot of families that really love their kids and have totally dropped the ball, right? Whether it's no boundaries, whether it's they haven't taught them to work, whether they haven't, you know, created structure, whatever it may be. Um, and, and I, I think you touched on that, Dad. You know, it's love, but there's, there's, got, there's more to it than just that. And that's, I think, essential. I would agree, right? Feeling loved, feeling cared for, all of those things. But 
we're seeing a generation that feels loved right now, but also doesn't feel they're not being pushed or challenged. You talk about comfort, and I, I never thought of that, but you know, I think I took it for granted, the clean clothes, the dinner, all of those things. To me, what sticks out is, is that you were thoughtful. Beyond that, you were thoughtful about how we were expected to behave. Does that make sense? Like, uh, yeah. I think when I think of you guys and what you did to teach me, I think of the post-it notes every day of the summer, right? Every morning in the summer, yeah. I think of the post-it notes. I think of Dad, you working all week. And we'll talk about the post-it notes. You can talk about that in a second. But you working all week in the hospital, coming home on the weekend, and all all weekend in the yard. I don't know that you loved that. You guys said you liked yard work. I hated it, but I remember thinking, man, you know, and we had fun. We had a lot of fun too. I'm not saying we didn't, but those are the lessons that I reflect on that I go, thank you. That's the stuff that I think has most impacted me in adulthood, the discipline, the hard work, the not so comfortable stuff, the uncomfortable stuff. I mean, mom, we battled it out every day, you know, I mean, in our own way, each child, but the post-it notes are, we woke up in the morning, and there was a post-it note with three to ten things we had to get done before we played. It might take you all day, it might take you an hour, but that was what it meant to be a tailor. And that's the stuff that I'm well, grateful for. Well, when I for. say I wanted you to always be comfortable, I, I didn't provide all that comfort, but I wanted you to be comfortable and secure in the home. So this was always a safe place, a comfortable place, a place where your needs could be met. But that didn't mean that I just waited on you. And that's what you're saying. I mean, I expected a lot, too. And uh, Dad did, too. And going back to respect, I think Dad was really good about this. Uh, he wanted you to, when you meet people, shake their hand and look in their eye and... and treat people with respect and I think he he really did that I can remember that stands yeah. out vividly to me Andrew son when you meet someone firm handshake look him in the eyes and at a young age I remember people saying wow you know you young man you you shook my hand well you know like you did I remember those lessons and they were great and being to your aunts respectful we were not our your aunts were known as aunts and uncles. I know that isn't important now, and it's okay, but it was important when we were young. When I was young, you never called a woman down the, anybody in your ward anything but Mr. and Mrs. So I, you know, I obviously, it changes, but, but I think Dad was, that was very important to Dad, and also that you spoke well. <laughs> I call, we call him the, what? The English Nazi. <laughs> grammar Nazi. The grammar Nazi. <laughs> he could be quick to tell you when you'd used the wrong word or said it wrong. Talk about the post-it notes and the work, Mom. Well, I Because just, you had to, that was, a, that was un uncomfortable for you. And that's oh, kind of yeah. what I want to get to is you didn't raise us easy. No, because and, everybody had to pitch in. I had five children in 10 years, and Dad was in the hospital a lot. And we didn't have as much help as we do now, but, but I thought you should learn to work. So I would just sit down and make a list. 
that you had to do and you could take an hour, you could take all day, but you couldn't play till you did it. And I have to tell you, I had so many different charts and if one didn't work, I'd go to the next one. It started when you were teeny with just pictures of brushing your teeth and making your bed and then as you got older, you just got the notes. But no, I feel like I feel like kids should really pitch in and help, help with the family, help learn how to do things. I mean, I just didn't want to do it all for you, and I needed your help. It wasn't that you saw that I needed your help. Maybe that's why you did it. I don't know. Five kids around, definitely. Five under, they were within 10 years, so, I mean, I was a little overwhelmed, and Dad was really gone a lot. We definitely had a feeling that it wasn't all about us. We were, I felt like we were being raised in your home, not that we were running the home, which is actually quite different right now. That's something that we're seeing a lot in this younger generation. Uh, I was out in Austin with my good friend Jason Hall this weekend, and he talked about, his friend calls it child worship, like where we've got a society where we worship children, and it's kind of what they want, and the whole day and, and home is revolves around the children, and we've only got one or two these days. I mean, I'm not going to have five kids. So how do I do that? How do I instill that in them of, listen, we're here for you. It's safe. It's comfortable. The love, the nurturing, but it isn't all about you, which you guys, I think, walked a really good line. Maybe the fact that we had a full home contributed to that, but you, you were, from my perspective, you guys were very confident in your style, if that makes sense. Well, it, it, it's funny, Andrew, because... And we may have said this before, but before we even started having children, and it became obvious that I was not going to be a farmer, but we were going to live in the city. <laughs> um, Mom said, I am scared to death to have children. I don't know how in this situation I'm going to be able to teach my children to work. And that was, that was the ultimate good, was teaching your children to work. And... Uh, Maybe having this big yard was was a blessing in disguise. It was kind of a mini farm. We, I, was that on purpose? Because sometimes I wonder. We had, we had, for anyone listening, we have a big backyard, a ton of work, and I, to this day, vow that I will not have a large yard because <laughs> that's where a lot of our that's where a lot of our time was spent, and I. I often thought, did you guys do that on purpose? No. But it was a great strategy. No, we just liked the we liked the lot. Uh, and but the the other point relative to what you just mentioned, Andrew, is that I think both mom and I were reared in homes where the parents were parents, and and they were to be respected and honored, and and we were you know. They weren't our pals. They weren't our pals, and uh, you know they were they were parents, and they were always parents. And we we I think Mom and I both felt strongly that um, I, I've often said I'm still a parent. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm still if I see something in my children's life that I think is maybe going to be a problem, I'm still going to tell them. They have their uh, their agency to live their own lives, uh, but I, I still feel I have a responsibility or stewardship 
to be a parent. And um, I felt that really keenly growing up, that uh, I, even though love is the ultimate uh, responsibility of parents for children, um, you also have to maintain that uh, parent-child relationship. It's not just chums and everything and uh, there's a there's a separation yeah do you think that's generational do you think that was part of generational because you you got it passed down you did it but here's the question and I don't have an answer and I've interviewed a lot of people about this why are why is our generation who was raised by you uh, raising our kids so differently because a lot of the Gen Xers that I'm working with and talking to and interviewing, and even baby boomers are saying, I wasn't raised this way, but I'm raising my kids very different, differently than I was raised. Do you guys have any thought on Do you see that and have any idea why? Well, I think part of it is they're having really smaller families. And I think you can dwell on that and you can provide a lot more when you have two, other than five you're trying to deal with. And uh, a appears to me, and maybe it's just where I am, with just two children or one, there's more money. There's more money to do things and to provide things that we never provided for you, which was gardeners and all this help in the house. I mean, you had to pitch in. So I think it's really going to be a challenge. I don't know how to do it. And I, I do think the more it becomes an issue for you and you make a big issue out of it, it may become more of a problem. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. It was just so natural for us. I think there was a, a theory of child rearing that kind of came along while we were parents, but maybe toward as our children were getting older, that the greatest thing you could do for your children is give them a good self-image. And everything was about helping them to feel good about themselves and have a have a strong image of themselves. And it led to the idea that every kid needed to have a trophy for everything. And every kid had to, uh, you know... Take uh, every lesson. Take Well, take lessons. And everything was about making children feel... Special. Special, special that they were accomplishing everything that 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 they were as good as or better than everybody else and i think that that i think that's a really uh, not a healthy and i think that that's led to a whole generation of of kids who are have been spoiled and enabled and and told how wonderful and how great and how fabulous they are and um uh, I think that's been unhealthy. And that, that does make sense. It's the boomers that started that, and that's the generation right after you. And you guys have heard me joke in my presentation that all of us Gen Xers knew our parents loved us, but we weren't sure that they liked us much. You know? and <laughs> I, I, I get a chuckle out of it. I mean, of course we know you loved us, and, sure. but, but there, wasn't, there wasn't a buddy-buddy feel. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, there was a very respectful parent-child relationship. The nurture, the love 
I felt at all, but there was a very strong boundary. And, you know, I think that I'm on the tail end of a five family of five, right? So mm -hmm. you, you were 40 when you had me. I think you guys are older than most of my parents' friends. Mm -hmm. And you guys were probably on the stricter end of our friendship groups, right? Probably, yeah. And, and so I remember, as, especially in junior high when teenage years hit, that like that was me and Sarah. <laughs> that was our big thing. And even our friends were like, man, your parents are strict. We're like, yeah, our parents are strict, and this isn't fair. And, you know, did you guys, was that hard? Did you second guess it? Did you, or were you just totally okay with that? Because... I, a lot of what I hear parents say is that the whole time you're wondering if you're doing it right, but you guys, again, seemed very convicted and very secure as parents in that you didn't care that I came home and was like, you guys are strict, you're the worst, and you guys were like, whatever. Like, and that sent a very strong message that, once again, it's not all about me. Do you have thoughts on that, or do you remember any of that? Oh, Yeah. I, I never worried that you came home and said someone could do something you could do. I I just figured, well, too bad. You can't. <laughs> I mean, I that never bothered me. Like but what, if, what if we it. were like, we hate you and we don't like you and you're bad parents? I mean, this is... So? That's my point. Is I mean, we Like, a lot of parenting, and I'm, I'm worried I'll be this way. I'm worried I'll care too much. And I see mistakes made from parents that want their children's approval. Well, I think Dad and I talked about things that were really touchy about, are we too much this, are we too much that? We talked a lot about that over a lot. But, I mean, I don't think it was, I don't think you coming home and, you know, feeling bad for yourself was going to change what we thought. I mean, even if you hated us, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, we were the parents, and we had ideas about how we wanted you raised, and Andrew, I think we were strict on some things, but I think we picked our battles, and we kind of knew when we wanted to be strict, and the danger, I have to tell you as a mother, or maybe dad, I had instincts that helped me. I could tell almost when someone was starting to start to have a little trouble. And I always wanted to just nip it in the bud. I mean, if it started, don't let it go. Try to figure out what's going on. Try to figure out why this is happening. And I have to say, and of course we're looking back from when we're really a lot older, you kids were really pretty good. I mean, you did a lot of childish things, but basically you were really good kids. But I think that I was always aware that watching you, but not letting you know that I was so much. I, you guys totally had a sixth sense, I both did. of you. And I know that because every time I asked if I could sleep over at someone else's house and we were going to sneak out, you guys would say, no, I'm coming to pick you up. Yeah. And I, there would be no way you would know, but you would. You'd say, no, we're coming to get you. You're, you Just no. And I... Remember being why not and all these things and that's again you didn't you didn't always have to have a reason when I pushed you. You were there was a very clear understanding. And again, by nature I was an obedient child, but not all of us were. But right. I think all of us respected you the same way. But like but there was a respect of because we are well, the parents and you're the child yeah, and this I don't is how think you always have to explain why. 
because I think because you're the parent, you say because I'm the parent. And when I say that, I wasn't totally strict that I, I don't see myself as a really strict parent. I mean, I wasn't a parent that you sat at that table till you ate your peas. No, I, you know, I agree. You I eat your peas if you want to. If you don't, don't eat them. But that's what I fixed. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that you guys... And I... I and I was I wanted you to do things with your friends, but if we made a decision not to have you do it, I don't feel bad about saying no. Not at all. Did you, Steve? Uh, sometimes, sometimes I did. Sometimes I thought we were being. Uh, I, honestly, Andrew, I I didn't view us as being really strict parents. I thought we were. I thought we were reasonable. And the point Mom made very early in our discussion. Uh, was that all you, you kids were all different. Some required a, 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 a much firmer hand than others. And um, we just tried to really uh, uh, adjust our, <laughs> our, our discipline, our approach to parenting to the, to the child. It wasn't the one, one size fits all uh, with the kids. I mean, uh, uh, I remember one per and and it had a lot to do in retrospect with who your friends were. I remember Natalie was having trouble with friends and you know it's when she was early teenage years and and she sort of picked up with a group of girls, a couple of girls that were just were bad news and it you know, I, I don't think they were bad, but they came from bad home lives and stuff like that. And they were the girls who kind of accepted Natalie as friends because she was new here in this neighborhood. And man, we really got kind of sticky with her. And she, she, it was really hard for her because these girls were accepting of her. But uh, I'm just so glad that we, we did that at that particular time. I've thought about that a lot. So I think we really tried to monitor who you were hanging out with and you know where you were in your in your school life and your friend's life and you know we we tried to we tried to be aware and and tailor our <laughs> our parenting to individual situations yeah I I do feel like you were reasonable. At the time I felt like you were very strict. Looking back, I think you were you had you what we call now you held boundaries, right? You held healthy boundaries. And that that can be frustrating for kids, but like you said earlier, it actually provides a lot of security. Right. In yeah. in that in that process. And so I I felt like you guys didn't preach much, but I felt like there were a lot of lessons that we were getting just along the way I mean I think we didn't preach much but we had family home evening and I think a lot of what we wanted to say often we said it in family home evening or of course you know we expected everyone to go to church and I think a lot of a lot of the strength comes from the mentoring of the, the leaders in any ward because we are LDS ward is congregation yeah it's a congregation that that we attend and there are a lot of youth leaders that are really valuable and helpful when you can't talk to a teen that they often can talk to this mentor, which I think was really valuable. 
Totally agree. I think that, you know, church leaders, coaches, and teachers, yeah. you know, because you think everybody, I say this all the time, everybody thinks their parents are worthless at some point, right? You know, that's teenage life. You just think your parents are clueless. And that's the time when good mentors, good community, you know, even your friends' parents, you're you're willing right. to hear them, and and being surrounded by a good community, I think, is for yeah. anybody, anywhere, any place. That's definitely something I'm going to try to set up for my kids in any well, way possible. It's, it's absolutely valuable. I mean, we did a lot, but when anyone I saw any of the children had trouble, I know that some of them went to their mentors in their in their religion you know, in church. their church, and they were younger than we were, they were cool, <laughs> really, they were cooler than we were, and they talked it over, and I thought, I, no, they weren't, <laughs> and I felt like they gave them a lot of advice and a lot of strength, and I don't know, I don't know how we would have done it without that, I mean, our, the religion puts a lot of boundaries on just because of, you know, because because there is in the community there are certain expectations, mm -hmm. and I think the community is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Talking about mentors, kind of I alluded to it earlier, coaches and teachers. <clears throat> there was a sense in our home growing up, and and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of a book I just read, but that we were. You were there to support, but not solve our problems for us. If we came home and we had a problem with a teacher, the response was, work it out. If we came home and we were mad at the coach because we didn't get enough playing time, or we were mad at the coach because they were mean to us, or we were treated unfairly, I never saw you guys, I always felt supported, but I, there was also this understanding that we're not going to deal with that for you. Again, was that a decision you made? Did that just come from your inherent background? Do you remember times where you wanted to intervene and you held back, or was it? Did it just come pretty naturally? A lot of times, I wanted to intervene, and and sometimes I did, Andrew. I unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst <laughs> to to you and to our kids, but um, <laughs> with. With Mark, I had to go and get him back on the track team about three times because you know, he'd be kicked off the track team. And the band. And out of the band, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I, think a, I think a lot of that came from, you know, the, I, I grew up in band and athletics. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I... So I kind of knew what you were going through. My kids, my boys more than my girls, what you're facing with playing in sports and playing in any group activities. And, and, and you know, I think you learn an awful lot from the, the negatives that come out of it as well as the positives. Uh, you, you learn important lessons. I didn't you know, feel oh, you're sorry. not always you're not always treated fairly you're not always <laughs> you know everything isn't all fun and games with playing in sports teams you, you see a lot of favoritism you see a lot of 
a lot of things that aren't fair. But you, so you, even though you had those conversations, maybe that I wasn't aware of, you know, Mark obviously needed help <laughs> a lot along the way, my other brother. But, um, but I think what's important to note is I never came home and complained and you guys were like, that person's awful and you're right and we're going to go deal with it. Even if you might have made a comment behind closed, behind the scenes, in our eyes, you were like, I still support your coach. I still support your teacher. Well, I think that we wanted to be fair, and life isn't fair. I mean, I heard that from my dad. Whenever I'd complain about anything, it was life isn't fair. So, you know what? You're going to have bad coaches. You're going to have good coaches. And I guess I didn't get as involved as you did. I The only time I remember going into a teacher was on Mark one time when he was kicked out of school, and I had to. And I stood up for him because he was right. And I I just had to, he told me Mark was going to be in Utah State Prison if I, if I didn't, you know, tell him he had to tell the names of someone who had run across the street and got, they got a hamburger. And he was kicked out for it. And I said, he kicked him out of school for three days. And I said, uh, okay, that's fine. He can come home for three days and he should be kicked out if that's your policy. And he said, well, he should tell me all the names. And I said, well, that's up to him. I said, if he wants to tell you all the names of everybody that's over there, because he was the only one that got caught. And he says, mother, your son is going to end up in Utah State Prison. I said, well, I disagree, but he can stay home for three days. So I guess I did intervene in that situation, but only when I thought it was just grossly unfair. I mean, I would have stood up for you, but not on, not on everything. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and for the record of anybody listening, Mark didn't end up in prison. He, <laughs> he ended up running a very successful uh, real estate trust. And, he was just um, young, and they all got him to go over there, and he was the one that got caught. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just think it's really valuable to be on team sports and to have coaches and have to, uh, you know, just really have to deal with all that because that's life. And I, I think that's really valuable for kids to do that. What was your, what are some of your favorite memories and what were some of your favorite things about being parents? I love being a parent. I mean, I say that now they're all raised. But I love being a parent and I just, I don't know, I just, I miss having the kids around now. I love little babies. I just... You know, I just loved them, and I was a mother who didn't like to hear a baby cry, so babies didn't cry. I saw that they had their needs fulfilled, and I know that my daughter-in-laws have criticized me for this, but I love, I love babies. I just love seeing them grow up. I, just every age was my favorite. I love being a parent. I did too. I, I love the dynamism of, of a home with with all different age groups. Uh, Friends, friends um, coming here, and and I, I loved seeing my children learn how to successfully navigate um, the challenges of of school and sports and uh, uh, other things that they chose to do. Uh, that was that was one of the best parts of parenting, in my view. Seeing 
seeing kids accomplish things that I that I knew would be beneficial to them uh, in their life, uh, seeing them win some, seeing them lose some, seeing them um, make major accomplishments, uh, getting their scouting awards, uh, you know, learning how to speak in front of a group of people, uh, learning how to be leaders. Uh, I love that. I still love it. I love seeing them. I love. I love seeing them accomplish goals that they've set for themselves, and the and the exhilaration and confidence that comes to them as they accomplish useful things. We've all ended up pretty driven. Do you think that was parenting? Do you think that there's that was in born in us? Do you have thoughts on that? Like, not, like uh, we've all ended up... Yeah, kind of bleeders and kind of strong. I don't... I, I think it's probably both, but we didn't set out to do that. We didn't... I don't know what we did to have you all confident in that you can do things. and You're all pretty strong. You know, that's not to mean that you haven't had failures along the way, but that you all I've never strong. failed at anything. Yeah, Andrew's never failed at anything, but <laughs> <laughs> some of the others may have, but not really, not noticeably in any way. I, I think we just, we were just parents and kind of just went along. I don't know that we did anything. I, I don't either. I, uh, but for some reason, uh, uh, We encourage you to do things and and accomplish things. I mean, I. Um, but I, that that's the way I was raised, and that's the way Mom was raised too. I think. Uh, you. We did you not know. say the words "I'm bored" around this house, or we were busy. That <laughs> is one word I never like to hear. So if you were bored, you had a job. Because yeah. I just figured children children need to find something to do if they're bored. And I have to say that my parents, I, I don't think I ever used that word around them, or it would have been so much work, you'd wish you'd never used that word. <laughs> <laughs> we learn we, we <laughs> learned quick that being bored is not... And I have to say how I was raised is so much easier than the way I could raise you or you can raise your children. It was just, we all had to work and we all knew it and we all knew that we were doing it for the good of the family. And so it was very, very hard when I didn't have that to try to figure that out. Because you were never bored. You were always busier than you could be working. And there were simpler times, right? You, you guys see that now that with especially screens right now and the complexity of the world that the kids are being raised in now and we've had conversations about this what what would you do now if you were parents i mean do you have advice for the the parents of this generation right now with so many i mean the world has significantly changed since you were parents and i remember when we were little 
get off the TV was the extent of it, right? Everything else from there was pretty organic and, you know, we had one telephone and you had to wait if someone was on the phone. I mean, it was just a simpler time and we've all admitted that. Um, we can't change the times. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I see a lot, a lot of our clients' parents, a lot of my friends, a lot of my siblings, everybody's really well-intentioned, but it's a whole different world. And they're saying, Andrew, how do we navigate the complexities of modern technology, which is where a lot of the problems are coming from? Well, I, I, think, um, I think I would severely limit screen time. Uh, not take it away because it's a skill that you need in, you know, in academics, education, uh, um, and and whatever you choose to do in your life, it's a, it's a reality. So you have to learn to be facile with it. But I would I would feel much more responsibility to to engage children in family activities and doing things together and you know uh, that get them away from the lure of video games and videos and you know being in, on screens and that that. That requires sacrifice on the part of the parents. That a lot of good parents probably don't want to spend the time and energy doing, or don't have the time. And yeah, or don't have the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I I think Andrew, your generation has to figure this out. It's a whole different ball game. But I think if you stay to the core values, stay to core values where parents are parents. Honesty is honesty. Respect is respect. And you just stay to those core values and love. I think he'll figure it out because I think right now it's just it's just hit so hard that a lot of parents are trying to figure this out. And I don't know what I'd do. I do know that I would probably, you know, have some rules where it's limited. But uh, I think you talk to your kids about it and they'd figure it out too that you're only trying to be a good parent. But I don't know, just stay to the core values and I think you'll be okay however you figure it out. What was the hardest thing about parenting? What were some of the hardest? Well, you never knew if you were doing it right. I mean, when you're right in the middle of it, you don't know how the kids are going to turn out or if you're doing it right, you know. And for me, just the exhaustion all the time because I always had a new baby or I had kids not sleeping or kids sick or, you know. I was tired a lot of the time, um, but that wasn't a big deal. It really wasn't, but I mean, that was hard at the time, and I don't know. When you get older, you think it was all easy, which it wasn't, but uh, you start to think, maybe I did some things right, you know, which you don't know when you're in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think you do. I think you're very nervous about some things, but I think... You can't be too nervous. You've just got to relax and do the best you can. And you know what? I've always said this, and I believe it. If my kids start saying, 
well, why didn't you do this? And you weren't good at this. And you didn't do this for us. And you didn't blah, blah, blah. I just said, hey, I did my best. You go be a better parent than me. And I feel that way, and I just, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you go try better to do better. Uh, that pretty well says it all. I, <laughs> I, I see Mom and I as being absolutely devoted as parents. I mean, we, we tried really hard. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, you, I talked about the exhilaration you feel in seeing your kids accomplish good things, the heartache when you see them going through hard times, that when you see them failing at things that mean a lot to them. Uh, that was really hard as a parent uh, to, to see that. You, 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 lived, you lived it right with them, you know, their, their successes and their failures and their, their, their shortcomings, their challenges, you know, you, you felt every, every one of them acutely. Uh, and, uh, and, on, and a lot of times you couldn't do anything about it. Maybe it's good that you couldn't. I, yeah, I don't know. You can't fix it all. You can't, you can't fix everything. But um, I, I think, and we, you started down this road, Andrew, and, and I, I don't know that you want to go back to that, but along with trying to teach our children to be responsible and to work hard and to accomplish, we also felt it was really important to have a lot of fun as a family. And so, so do, you know, family traditions were a big thing, family vacations, you know, we, we were blessed to have the resources to, to have a vacation home and to, to take nice vacations and to go to sporting events and to do a lot of things like that, that I think, uh, I think we're really positive, built, built loyalty and uh, unity in our, in our family. I think those memories are key to that security and stability you guys talked about earlier, right? You know, the boundaries were there, the structure was there, and then the, there's genuine effort to make memories. I, many memories in St. George, you know, many... I remember there was a time where we used to go to Lake Powell, and you guys weren't big camper people. Like you, you, you worked hard. And I remember Mom used to say, "This trip is such a great family trip, but it's the hardest working trip for a parent, right? You got to plan food, you're camping. You're, I mean, it's not an easy vacation. But you know, I again, as you're a kid, you take that stuff for granted, and as you grow up, you kind of go, "Wow, that's that forms you." as much as anything else, right? Oh yeah, the traditions are so valuable. Yeah. So valuable. The fun, the games. Mm -hmm. What was that card game up that I just sucked at? And everybody in the family was good at it, and I hated that game. But anyway, you know, the, the taking time, you know, you both worked hard, and Dad, you worked hard, but I never felt that you weren't around. You were at every game, you know, that you could make it to, and... Um, again, it, I didn't feel like it was all about me, but I never, I always felt the, the love and the support and you were there when it, when it mattered and when we were needed. And so I think that you guys did an amazing job. Oh, thank you, Andrew. And I'm grateful. And this was awesome. So what, what advice, what, I mean, there's a, you've said a lot 
already and maybe it doesn't need to be asked but what what is your advice oh most of your kids or some of your kids are my older brothers they're they're well on their way to having their families raised but megan and i getting started if you could have some famous last words before we have babies uh what would you say I think you and Megan are going to be amazing parents because you both care and you both you both have a lot of skills already. I I guess my advice to you is try hard but don't try too hard because you don't know the personalities that are coming to you and you've got to let those little personalities develop the way they are. But you know you always and I have to tell you that mothers maybe dads have this instinct that if you're always aware of your children and around, you'll you'll feel how to do it. You'll know how to do it. Just wait till you figure out what they're they're like. We could have them like you, or <laughs> very calm. I was easy, right? You were easy. Yeah. You were easy. Until I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were never hard, Andrew. So anyway. Um. You and Maggie both have a level of maturity and experience that will um, serve you well as parents. Um, uh, so, you know, yeah, you, you always, you know, and, and you you know all you've seen all, you've seen all of the bad parenting and what that can do uh, but so I think mom's point about not being too hard not being too not being overly attentive and pushy and directive is good you know let those little personalities develop give loving support good example and you know, they'll be, they'll be fine. All right. The, their problem will be having too much, too much love, too much attention, too much caring. All the cousins and oh, man. aunts and uncles. And they're going to get smothered. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're... They're not going to want for attention, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you. This was awesome. Okay, Andrew. Thank mm. you for asking some questions. Thanks for saying nice things to us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. You're sitting here.